good, um, good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. My name is Sophia. Um, this is my home. Um, my husband is Louis. He's not here. He's gone home to hopefully cook. Um, <laughs> and um, our wonderful children, Sean and Siobhan, you would have seen them around. So officially, I'm the shortest in the house, which is very annoying. Um, because they do think that the fact that I'm the shortest means that um, everything is okay. No, it's not. Okay, so um, happy resurrection morning. So in the first meeting, as always, I blah, said everything in less than 10 minutes, I think. Um, and then I'm like, oh, come on. I didn't even open my scriptures as I planned to. So I do plan to open the scriptures now. And I would be a bit slower than I was in the first meeting. So we are talking about um, Jesus, the King. So our series, this brings um, our mini-series to an end, Nor the King. We've looked at the fact that he's King of life. We've looked at the fact that he's King of love. And today we're looking at the fact that he is the King of kings. And it's apt because today is Easter Day. Um, we know the resurrection story. So I'm going to kind of bring the story. I'm going to start the story right from the, maybe the middle of it where Jesus was being tried. And if we open to John chapter 18, and we're going to read from verse 33. John chapter 18 and verse 33. You know, there's a bit um, where Jesus went back to his hometown, and the people there did not like what he was saying. So my family are like that. <laughs> my children said to me this morning, Mom, you were saying some things. I'm like, sorry, every other person liked the message apart from you two. Like, no, 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 mom, you said this, you said that. I'm like, stop. So I get that with them all the time. So it's quite nice that they're not here, so I'm a bit more relaxed now. <laughs> John chapter 18, verse 33. Um, and this is, at this point, we, when we um, think about the story of Jesus, he has been to the high priest. They moved him from one high priest to the other. Is coincidentally, those two high priests were relatives. One was one father-in-law. Very interesting. So um, they brought lots of false witnesses, and nothing they said about Jesus stuck. Eventually, they got Jesus to say that he is the son of man, and that really got them infuriated. They did not need any further witnesses. So they took him to Pilate, so that Pilate would sentence him to death, because they couldn't do it. So he's with Pilate, he's with Pilate, Pilate, Pilate in, in the palace, and... He's being questioned by this Roman governor. Verse 33 says, um, Then Pilate went back into the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? So he asked him a very direct question. And what did Jesus say in response? In verse 34, he said, Is that your idea? Or are you asking, are you asking for yourself? Are you asking for others? What exactly is the point of your question? And that kind of angered the governor. And he said, Am I a Jew? You, your own people, and your chief priest handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Now look at verse 36, because this is really important. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so here he was. He was being called the king of the Jew. And he's like, no, this is beyond just the Jews now. My kingdom is not of this world. And he said to him, if it were to be of this world, then my servants, my followers, those that are outside of this palace, they will take up arms and fight for me. And so Jesus was quite clear there that my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is beyond this world. And so we see where he's basically saying to Pilate, I am a king, 
But my kingdom is different. It's not what you think. I am not here to take over your authority. No, mine is beyond that. And in the next verse, verse 37, Pilate said, you are a king then. Jesus, yes, for this reason I was born. This is the reason I am here, to declare this truth. I was born for this reason. And so we see there that Jesus declared himself as the king but then he was quite clear, it is not an earthly kingdom. Of course, the governor didn't understand what he meant, but Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. If you remember Isaiah chapter 9, so during Christmas, we read Isaiah chapter 6 a lot. If, um, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You remember that? And um, verse 7 says that of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. That is talking about the kingdom of Jesus. And throughout his ministry on earth, he would talk about the kingdom of heaven. He would compare the kingdom of heaven to several things. Compared it to a farmer that went to sow. Compared it to a farmer that had a treasure. So many instances, Jesus over and over again reiterated the fact that he was a king. And he is the king. We're going to get to that. And so the, 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 the thing though was that whilst he said he's the king there was something else ahead of him, the cross. There was the cross. There was a need to go to that cross. If we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking away, I'm reading from the Amplified, Amplified Version, it says, looking away from all that would distract us, focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. It says, who for the joy, for the joy of accomplishing the goal, for the joy of the cross, for the joy that he knew that at the end of this, there is something else that the Father wants to reveal to the world. The Bible says that he endured the cross. He endured the shame of the cross. He knew that his disciples were going to flee. He knew that he would be betrayed. He knew that people were going to spite him. He knew that he would be flogged. He knew that people were going to turn their backs against him. In fact, if you read in um, Luke chapter 23, verse 48, it talks about the crowd. It says the crowd, when they saw the spectacle, they had journeyed with Jesus all the way through the, 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 the courts, and they saw what had happened and how Jesus had been sentenced to death. The Bible says that they were heartbroken. A lot of them, by the time Jesus got to the cross, for them, that was it. They went back home fully heartbroken. The Bible says they smote their chest because they were upset. This same Jesus that healed the sick, this same Jesus that cast out devils, this same Jesus that lepers would stand in front of him and they would receive complete wholeness, this same Jesus was nailed to the cross and it seemed like there was nothing anybody could do. In fact, some people got really upset with him and they were like, what are you doing? You're up there. Come on, do something. Do something, Jesus. You are able to, you have the capability to do it because we have seen you do things. But Jesus said nothing. He endured the cross because he knew the joy that was behind the cross. He knew what he was born to do. You know, sometimes as Christians, we struggle with our identity because everybody around you is doing something different. Everybody around you is saying, come on, behave this way or behave that way. It is important that you know who you are. Jesus knew who he was, and he said it. He was bold to declare it. He said, for this cause, for this reason, this is why I came. This is who I am. I am a king, and my kingdom is not of this world. Let's carry on. And so on the cross, eventually what happened? Jesus declared, it is finished. 
And indeed, the Bible talks about the fact that there was darkness for three hours all over the city. There was an earthquake. And then that great veil that covered the Holy of Holies, that place where nobody could enter apart from the high priest. And even for the high priest to enter, he had to go through a lot of cleansing. That particular place, of all places, the Bible says that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. I, was, I, I mentioned um, in the first service that in university, when my friends and I, we would, I particularly remember when we were talking about this verse, and we said, can you imagine if there was a high priest just performing his sacrifices, and all of a sudden, pow, the veil is ripped. He would have been exposed, and everybody sitting there would go, like, oh, so that's what was behind the veil all this time. Basically, God opened it up, saying that there is free access. There is free access. Everybody can rush in. There is free access in this kingdom. There is no more, you, the veil is taken away. And so at that point, you would think, well, Jesus has died, the veil is torn, maybe something will happen. No, all goes quiet again. And then for the next two nights, the master, the savior, the one that had done so much, the Bible says his fame spread to many regions around Jerusalem. He was in the grave. It was dead silent. Are you here this morning and you're going through things and you think this is just dead silence? I'm not hearing God. I don't, I don't, I don't have a solution. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Let me take you to Psalm 30, verse 5. What does it say? It says, his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. And that is hope. That is hope. Yes, it was quiet, but what God wants us to do is to hold on. Despite the sorrow, because you do know you can hold on and you'll still be crying. That doesn't bother God. What he's after is, do you have the hope that this impossibility can become possible? Do you have hope that this thing that seems like it is dead can be raised to life again? Let's carry on on this journey of Jesus. So, Easter morning which is where the story changes, amen. Here we go, here comes the women. I said to Al, I have to, I have to include this. <laughs> I've got to include this. Here comes these women. And we know, you know, those of you that have what chosen, when you see those disciples, they were big guys. They were not tiny guys. Do you remember Peter? Peter, I'm Pretty sure he used to go to the gym and all that, if there were gyms then. But he looked, you know, he, he didn't look cowardly. No, he didn't. Peter looked like somebody that he could take on anybody. In fact, he was like Jesus' personal bodyguard. But the Bible says these guys, they hid themselves for fear of the Jews, for fear of their rulers. But the thing is, the rulers were not even after them. And you know, that's how sometimes our lives are. We're afraid of something that seems impossible. We're afraid of something that actually requires no fear. They'll be hiding. And so, if they were hiding, somebody had to do something. That is when the women stepped in. 
And, you know, I can just imagine what was going through their mind. Do you know what? We have nothing to lose. We are women after all. Let's just go. The men are hiding. The body of Jesus needs to be embalmed. Let us go. The Bible says early in the morning, John chapter 20. Let's go there. Don't get very excited. <laughs> John chapter 20, verse 1. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark. Now, if you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is a commonality with, with this particular account of the resurrection morning, which is great. And there is a reason for it, because as you read on, you will see that when the rulers heard that Jesus had been raised from the dead, they decided to silence, to quench the story. They decided to kill the story. It still happens today. You know, stories can be killed with different methods. They decided to kill the story by giving the soldiers some money. They said, tell them that, tell people that the disciples stole the body. But you see, what they did not understand is that the fact that Jesus appeared first to women and the fact that it was women who said, we have seen the Lord, the grave is empty, we've seen the Lord, we worship him, he said this, he said that, actually gave more credibility to the story. Because if it was a story that the disciples had made up, they would not include the women. Because women were not, at the time, were not um, seen as credible witnesses. And so the fact that the Bible shows us that this thing actually started with this group of ladies gives more credibility to the story of the resurrection. Do you understand that? Because it means that, look, this is what really happened. We haven't changed anything. If we wanted to change, we would change it to, you know, to suit us. We'll say, you know, (laughs) Peter showed up and then John came beside him. And they rolled the stone away. No, they didn't say that. In fact, the women were, they, they were, they were wondering. And on the way, they said, do you, do you remember that stone? Yes, I do. Who, who's going to roll the stone? Oh, I don't know. Let's just go anyway. And that is commitment and dedication. Because despite the obstacle that they knew was ahead of them, all they cared about was the body of, them, of their master. And if you see in John chapter 20, if you look at verse um, 14, I'll just quickly paraphrase the first few verses. Mary had gone, ran back, called Peter. Peter came, went in, saw it, went back home. I don't know why. But then she stayed back. She was inconsolable. In fact, at that point, she was ready to do anything to get the body of Jesus. When she, when she saw Jesus, she didn't recognize him at first. She thought he was a gardener. She said to him, look, if you know where the body is, give it to me. I'm ready to take him. Don't forget, this is the same lady that said, I can't move a stone. At this point, she was so overcome with her emotions and everything, and she said, I want the body of my master. If you know where the lady is given to me. And then Jesus called her name. You know, isn't it interesting? The same Jesus that said, my sheep hear my voice. And the minute he said, Mary, she realized, master, and she grabbed onto him. This is what he said in verse 17. Don't cling on to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended. That's the key word there. Look, kings ascend. He said, I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending. Ascending to his throne as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen, Jesus had conquered Sickness. This is the Bible says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He went about doing good, healing all that were sick, 
and those that were oppressed of the devil. Because the Spirit of God was with him. He had done these things. And now here comes death. That idea of finality, Jesus dealt with it. The Bible says that if the same spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead, if he lives in you, that same spirit, he will give you life. That same spirit, he will breathe life into you. The same way he breathed life into the dead body of Jesus. So death no longer has a finality. We know that there is hope. So Jesus said to her, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. They're declaring that, look, I am the king of kings. He, he, he was quite clear, my kingdom is not of this world. I am ascending to the father as the king. I am ascending to the father as the Lord of lords. Then he said to her, go. You know, Jesus, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. So why do I say it's an upside-down kingdom? We see, you know, that honestly, if you, if you try to explore this story of resurrection, there are books about it. There are libraries about it where they explore the Greek, the Hebrew, every part of it. Okay, so I'll just take the bit that I thought, oh, I understand this. Let me just stick with this one. Okay, so the bit that was really clear to me was the fact that Jesus gave this commission to Mary and said, go. Go and do this. So yes, you have seen the king. Yes, you have met the Lord of Lords, but then you do something with it. Go and tell my brothers. Tell them that, look, this has happened. Go and bear witnesses. Go and let others know. The Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 2, it says that God gave him a name that is above all name. That at the mention of his name, every knee will bow. Who do you bow to? Oh, king. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Are you still here? Revelation chapter 17 verse 14. Let's read that together. Revelation 17, 14. It says, They will wage war against the Lamb, Christ, and the Lamb will triumph and conquer them because he is. It didn't say he's going to be. He is. He is the Lord of lords and he is King of kings. And those who are with him and on his side are the called and chosen and faithful. He says he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is Lord over every realm. He is Lord over every authority. He is Lord over every domain. That is his kingdom. The Bible says his kingdom is one of peace. His kingdom is one of love. His kingdom is such that when you come in, he takes the basis those that we would call the underdogs. He makes them kings and priests. That, that's his kingdom. That's his kingdom. No wonder, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, For we are a chosen generation. We are a holy people, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood called forth 
out of darkness to show for the praises of him. That, that, that's, that's, that's the kingdom. And so in Matthew chapter 28, just before he left, what did he say? All authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And then he says, go ye therefore. So on this basis, on the fact that this king of kings is now here, we are to go. He says, go, go, make disciples of the nation. Teach them these things. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And he says, behold, I am with you until the end of age. So you are not alone. You've got to say that to yourself all the time. You are not alone. When you come up against the circumstances of life, you say to yourself, I am not alone. Jesus is with me. I am not alone. Jesus is with me. You know, in the resurrection of Jesus, everything kind of came together. Everything made sense. All that he had been saying. In fact, the, the disciples were, they were confused. The angel said, look, Jesus is risen just as he told you he would. Everything came together. And they were like, oh, this is what he was talking about. It makes sense now. Because the resurrection of Jesus is our hope. And the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then we are of all men most miserable. We are to be pitied because there is no message. The message of Jesus is the fact that he resurrected. He is the resurrected king. And his resurrection shows us that he defeated every, everything that needed to be defeated. There was nothing left that he had not done. As a good king, he took full responsibility for the failures of his subject, for their sins. He did it all. He got up, dusted, folded his linen, put, <laughs> I love that. Oh, you know, they got into the tomb and they saw that the linen that was wrapped around him was neatly folded. Jesus is not messy. Those of you that have messy rooms. <laughs> Jesus is not messy. He folded the linen and left it there. And so, again, coming back to the story that his body was stolen. Surely, you will steal a dead body. Steal the clothes with it. Don't leave the clothes behind. You want to steal, then, you know, they do things in a hurry. You don't, you don't leave, take one thing and leave the others. No, they take everything. But the fact that the clothes were there, neat and folded, it tells you that Jesus was not in a rush. When he got up, he folded it and left it there as evidence for those that will come and see. That is our king, you know, that is our king. That's how he does things. He is thorough. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So I said... Um, you know, I just made a note here that that same spirit lives in us and gives us the strength to do all that he has called us to do. That's, that's the message of the resurrection. And that's what the resurrected Christ does. So if you're here today and you're thinking, oh my, okay, this resurrection business, I'm beginning to get it, but I really don't understand how do I, how do I get into this kingdom? What exactly? And I'm, ex I'm extending that invitation to you today that if you remember what I said about the curtain that was torn, that veil that was torn in two, it tells you that there is 
access for all. Anyone who's willing can come in. We have a commission from our King of Kings. He said, go and tell, go and make disciples of nations. Because of what I have done, you can now go. And that's a good king, isn't it? Because he takes responsibility. He, he, I love Jesus. He's not, he's not a travel agent. You know what travel agents do? They send you on places they've never been. And they're always nice. The hotel is this, is that, and you get that the hotel is not what you think it is. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus has been on the journey. And then he's come back and says, well, you know what? You can go now because I am the Alpha and the Omega. So the in-between, I've got you covered. Let us pray. I want you to just pray now. As you pray, I want you to picture Jesus. Picture him in all his glory. Picture him standing in front of you in all his glory, in all his splendor, and saying, just as he said to Mary, I am ascending to your father and my father, to your God and my God. Basically, at that point, making us one with himself. I want you to picture him standing in front of you. And as you do, picture him reaching out to you and just raising you up. As you picture him now, I want you to pray to him. I want you to pray to him. There are things that you know you, you might be grappling with and you just need that touch from Jesus. This is the opportunity to do that because his presence is here with us. The presence of our king is in this place. So reach out and, 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 and touch Jesus. Reach out and touch him. Reach out to him and say, you are my king, Lord. Step into the situation. That's, that's what he's really good at. That's what he's really good at. Where he said, all authority, all power has been given unto me. He's really good at that. So reach out to him now. And if you're, you have not yet committed your heart to Jesus, you can do that right now. All you need to do in the same way, reach out to him and say, come in, Lord. Be the Lord of my life. Now that you've shown me that there is access, I take advantage of that access by accepting you into my heart as my Lord. You can do that now where you are. And as you do, he will flood you with his spirit because that's what he does. He will flood you with his spirit. Just keep reaching out to him. Keep, keep, on, keep on reaching out to him. And then as you pray, ask him to open your eyes to see the glory that he has given you. Open your eyes to see that because that's really important. Uh, yes, that uh, for you, Easter will take on a new meaning. Easter will take on a new meaning. If you think about the, the hope that the resurrection brought to the disciples and how they were delighted. If you, if you carry on reading those scriptures, you will see that when they saw Jesus, they were so relieved. They were so relieved. Even those that doubted at first, Eventually came round. They were so they were so happy. Their their mourning was turned into joy. They were glad to have him back. And then as he as he, as he spoke to them, the words that he spoke burned within their hearts, and everything just fitted together like one massive puzzle. It all made sense. All that Jesus had been saying to them. So I want you to pray that Jesus will do the same. 
with you. I say, Lord, those beats that sometimes I grapple with, sometimes that don't make sense, I ask that by your resurrection power, you make them clear. You make them clear as day in the name of Jesus.